Thank you. All right. That's awesome. So, hey, we're going to continue on this series on communion called Come to the Table. And uh, I'm excited. I've been excited about this series uh, because here's what we do at, at Lakeland Vineyard. We actually receive communion every week. And so um, we started talking a bit ago, Josh and I, and we were like, hey, we do this every week, but there, there might be a question mark, like, why? Like, why would we do it even once a month? Like, why would we do this? Or if, you, if you're in some traditions, that's what they do, or you went to other churches. We, went, we did it once a month, all right? And then we really felt strongly about, let's do it. Let's do it every week. We're just going to take um, of, of what's called the Eucharist or the Lord's Supper. And, and so, um, you know, I opened the series up about uh, five weeks ago, and then Chuck uh, taught for two Sundays, and, and then uh, Josh comes in and, and gives us this, this history, this rich history of, of Eucharist and, and the Lord's Supper, and, and then, um, then I get to teach today, and I haven't taught in a while. So I was like, I don't even know how to do this anymore. Uh, so we'll see, but I'm excited because it's going to answer some questions, and I think some questions have been answered, like why for the what. I'm a why for the what type of person. Like if I don't know why I'm doing what, I don't want to do it. Like that's just my personality type. But if I know the why for the what of something, um, then I'm all in. And I don't know if you guys resonate with that, but that's me. And so I want, as we talk about communion, I didn't, want it just to be, uh, I didn't want it just to be something that we do weekly. I wanted it to be something that really impacts us, like the inner person in us, and it impacts us. And, and, then, and then there's nothing magic. I'm just going to say this. There's nothing magic about the wafer, right? Especially when it got left or the baggie got left open. It's just not it's stale at that point. And so there's nothing magic about it. There's nothing magic about the, the cup of juice, um, but the symbols that they represent and the power that's in those symbols um, is amazing, all right? And so today, we're going to talk about expressing thanksgiving to God as we come to the table, all right? And so here's the awesome part. Uh, God invites everyone to his table. You ever been at a really crowded place, and you're thinking, and the, uh, two more people walk in? And there's those couple people there that are always like, okay, we can do this. We can make room. Like, that's God. There's always room for more. And so um, we're just going to do some stuff uh, today. Uh, I'm just going to start like this. If you're like me, I have this huge tendency just to rush through life, right? I don't know if you guys have ever landed on a Friday and you don't know how you got there. Like, you still thought it was like Monday, all right? And you're like, oh my gosh. And you're like, how in the world? Like, I had so much stuff to do that I didn't get done. But I was still going from appointment to appointment. Uh, maybe for you, it was my crisis to crisis, all right? And you're just like, I don't even know how I arrived here. But then here's what you do. And instead of on a Saturday, instead of saying, um, or on your day off, whenever that is, uh, you fill that day with stuff to do, Right? And so Saturday's a to-do day, and then Sunday, I'm going to do what I didn't get done on, on Saturday, and uh, does anybody else want to invite me anywhere, all right, because I need to do that too. And so all of a sudden, now the weekend, for most of us, that's our days off, all right, um, becomes just another grind, all right, and then it's Monday again, and you're like, I'm so tired, 
right? And, and so we get in this, this, this thing where we really forget to be thankful. And, and also this happens. We don't ever relax, right? And so this morning, what I want us to do is a little, a little exercise, all right? It's not, I mean, you're not going to run around or anything. Don't freak out, okay? But I want us to, like, stop thinking about the bill, stop thinking about the diagnosis, right? Stop thinking about the fight that you got in this morning with the person you're sitting next to, you heathen. And stop thinking about the, stop thinking about the person that drives you crazy, Okay? And I just, I just want us to stand for a moment. Just stand. And this is what I, the simple activity that I, that I want to do is this. I just, I want us to take a moment, and literally, I mean, just like a minute, and I want us to think about a time that we were thankful to God for something. And it might be something that, that happened in the past, okay? It might be something that he's doing right now, right? But I literally, just go ahead and do that. Take a second, all right? Take a couple seconds um, and just think about that, okay? And maybe, maybe you've thought of it, okay? Maybe you're struggling to think of something, well, I'm just going to give you this one. Like, Jesus died for you, right? And he wants to impact your life. So, and then what I want to do with us this morning is I just want to, whether it's out loud, right, or whether it's in your heart, okay, I just want you to say thank you for that, however you want to do that. So let's just take like, let's take like 20 seconds and do that, all right? Go ahead and take a seat. Thank you for doing that. That's good. And so I think what we, what we have to do is we have to learn how to remember to relax. We have to learn how to remember to rejoice in the presence of God, right? We have to remember how to be still before God. And here's what it is. I'm not asking you to be a hermit. I'm not asking you to lock yourself in a literal closet and stay there for four hours. What I'm saying is rest and make pockets in the day where you intentionally can rest, right? Um, I learned something. I read, I, was, I read a book over my vacation that I've been wanting to read, and it's called He Leadeth Me, and it's by Walter Sizek, and it's a guy who spent... Uh, 23 years in the gulags of, of, of Russia, Soviet Russia, USSR. And uh, they planned retreats for people in the prisons. What? Okay, how do you retreat in the walls of a labor camp where you're working 15 to 16-hour days? So the encouragement is this. 
we can do it, right? In the midst of what he was going through, he was leading people. He was a Catholic priest, and he was leading people in mass, and he was leading people in communion, and he was taking other priests that were in there on retreat. I thought it was just the coolest thing. So I just encourage you um, to do that, all right? And so we reflect on, on what God is doing and what God has done, and we just take those moments and, and we rest in God. And, and so what I think what we'll do is we'll begin to be thankful as we remember what God has done and what God is doing, all right? Good stuff. All right, let's pray. Father God, you're so good. It just amazes me when I think about your mercy and your grace. It's overwhelming. And then, like, you create everything, and you invite us into your presence. In this place, in this space right here, you're in this place. So help us to recognize your presence. And we just invite you to do whatever you want to do, and we just say these words, come Holy Spirit, come change us, come and make us more like you, in Jesus' name. So if we're going to talk about thankfulness uh, and being thankful to God, I think that we have to answer that question, right? What is it to be thankful to God? And as I asked this question of myself, I was like, okay, well, what is it then? I don't know. Like, what is it? What is an answer that is suitable to say, I'm thankful to God, right? I'm thankful to the one who created all things. How am I thankful then? And then, so I came up with this, and this is what I really think that it is. Thankfulness to God is a posture of the heart, right? Thankfulness to God isn't defined by situation. It's defined by the overall picture that God rules and reigns, right? And so, and and here's the deal. Thankfulness to God and knowing that he supersedes our situation, right? He reigns. And so when we talk about God and we talk about, you know, yeah, I can rejoice. And when we see people around us who are going through crap and they're somehow rejoicing in the Lord, we ask the question, how does that take place? And then we know because there's an assurance in the Word of God. So we're going to go over several scriptures today. They're not going to be up on the screen, but, you know, if you're taking notes, write them down. Like I always tell you, write them down. Go over, review them. Look at the context of where they're written, who they're being written to. I just encourage you. Most of the books that I'm going to be referencing today are super small books in the Bible, like five chapters. That means two and a half pages, okay? So you can do it, all right? And so it says this, um, one of the things that we can be grateful for is that we're being made new, right? We're being made new in Christ. So Christ did this work. Like he, Christ, he comes, he's born of the Virgin Mary, he lives this perfect life, he does this amazing ministry, and then really when things are really starting to pick up steam, he gets crucified, all right? And guys, can I tell you this? He said, multiple occasions, he said, can you take this from me? But not my will, but your will be done. And so let's just not get the idea that Jesus was like pumped about getting crucified, okay? He said a couple of times at least, like, if you want to take this from me, you can, right? But he follows through. 
So he's this sacrifice. So he does this work on the cross, arms spread wide, and he does this work on the cross, and he dies on the cross, right? And so we remember Christ in communion. We remember his sacrifice for us. But then three days later, God does this awesome thing, and he, he raises Jesus from the dead, okay? Which is like, is that good? Can you, is this on? Okay, so he raises Jesus from the dead. And then because of the work that's done on the cross and because of the power of the resurrection, we get to live new lives. We get to be made new as we come into relationship with Jesus Christ. It says this in Galatians 2.20. This is so cool. It says this, my old self has been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. So I live in this earthly body by trusting the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Galatians 2.20. Now think about that. There's some of you in this room, my wife's not here so I can talk about her, and like in a good way. There's some of you in this room that can relate to my wife. She really actually lived a good life before she knew Jesus. Like she really did. And so she, me on, so she might say, why does my life need to be crucified with, with Christ on the cross? That's a good, okay, that's a reasonable question. Me, I don't have any questions of why my life needs to be crucified with, cross, or with Christ on the cross, right? But she, thank you. And so I get one amen on that. Okay, so, and so she said, I'm pointing, because that's where she would typically say. So she has discovered this, that she was also a sinner, saved by grace, right? So as a matter of fact, her and I have become more alive because of our relationship with Jesus Christ. And it's not about being further down the road, okay? A sinner's a sinner. We get that, all right? Oh, well, these people are so bad. Okay, like you're bad too, just in a different way, all right? And so we need this we need this encounter with Jesus. We need this relationship with Jesus, this, this ongoing thing that's going to make us new. And here's what I want us to understand. This new life, we cannot do it on our own. Like it is only by the power of the Holy Spirit that we can be transformed into the likeness of Christ. How many of you in this room, along with me, have done the whole, I'm going to will this until it happens, I'm going to change thing? Has anybody done that? Okay, cool. Three of you are honest. Okay, four, five, six, seven. Okay, now we're getting a little bit more real. Okay, so we've done this thing, right, where I'm going to do this. I'm going to do it. But we don't let the Holy Spirit do the work that he needs to do in order to change us. And so that's, we need to come to the realization very quickly that when we say, God, just do everything you want, we're saying, Holy Spirit, do whatever you want because you're the only one that has the power to come transform me and give me new life. It says this in Galatians 3, 26 through 29. This is cool, guys. Think of, I want you to get this picture. This is like creator God created everything, spoke to a pile of dust and made the first human, Adam, out of this and then put him to sleep and like pulled one of his ribs out and made Eve. Oh, and hung the planets too. Okay, so cool stuff. 
For you all, for you are all children of God through faith in Jesus Christ. And all who have been united with Christ in baptism have put on Christ like putting on new clothes. There is no longer Jew or Gentile, slave or free, male and female, for you are all one in Christ. And now you belong to Christ and you are the true children of Abraham. Now what? Okay, here's what it means. We're children of the most high God. I want you to get this with me. That makes us royalty. What? But check this out. We get to share that with everybody else, right? And so here's the deal. Why is this great news? Because it's not news just for you and me. It's for the guy that drives you crazy. So I've been doing a lot of, you know, like looking in the mirror lately. And one of the things that I suck at um, is being super judgmental, uh, right? Like on like first thing, right? Like I'll see somebody and I'm like, oh, geez. Yeah. I mean, I'm just being real. Like most of you probably don't suffer with that, all right? And so, and so you just like get this, I don't know what it is even. Like the person's done nothing or the person might have done something, but still nonetheless, I don't know them. So, and I'm like, oh, man, so I'm out with Scott the other night. And, um, uh, and I'm like, I just told him, I said, man, I just, I'm awful at that, bro. Like, I need God to really do something there. Like, I really need to change the way that it is. And then I got this profound insight from my 15-year-old daughter, who was a counselor up at the camp where Jen is at right now. And she's running this camp that she went to as a kid, Right. And my daughter said there, there was this potential for this one kid to be like drive you crazy type kid, all right? Probably like me as like an 18-year-old, okay? And so like drive you crazy type kid. But then she gives me this great wisdom. And I didn't even talk to her about this. She goes, Dad, you know what I'm trying to do? I'm just trying to uh, meet people where they're at and be the nicest person that I can to them no matter what they act like. And I was like, you're 15. Like, I'm 40. And she doesn't even know that I was, you know, going through this. And so she gives me this wisdom, and I'm like, yeah, that's, that's good advice. Like, yeah, be like Jesus to people then, right? Like, that's what we're saying here? Yeah, that's what we're saying here. And so we can love people right where they are because here's what I want us to understand. This is the big thing from this section that I want you to take away. If you take away nothing else, that you are not an afterthought when it comes to God, but you are on the forefront of his mind. And not only are you on the forefront of his mind, the person that drives you crazy is on the forefront of the mind. The person that just cuts you off is on the forefront of his mind. He loves his children. And we get to put that on display for people, right? So this is good stuff. So we're all kids, right? And we gotta look, we're all God's kids and we gotta say, okay, that's just a child of God. How am I treating that person that's a child of God? This is, this is a person that's made in the image of God. How am I treating that person? And can I say this to you? How are you treating yourself? Because you are also a child of God. 
and you are not forgotten. You are on the forefront of his mind. Now, this challenges us then, right? So we're being made new. It's a transformational process. Um, um, I don't think anybody in here has, had a, has arrived at perfect yet. I know I haven't. I'll speak for myself. I know I haven't for sure, all right? And so, but we're being made new, okay? And so in this process, we get to then live differently. Matter of fact, it says like this, and I just want to assure you guys that are, that are doubting guys and gals in this room that are doubting, like, I don't even know if God's called me. I don't even know if God cares about me. He has called you, and he is equipping you. I promise you, he will equip you. And if you're doing things that only feel like you can do, uh, you know, reach out a little bit further. God will start doing stuff that only he can do, all right? And so here we are, um, we're called and equipped to live these different lives. And in 1 Peter, um, it reads like this, uh, he says this, in 1 Peter um, 2, 9 through 12, but you are not like that, and basically he's saying like, you're not like the people that cause people to stumble. He's like, you are not like that, for you are a chosen people. You are a royal, you are royal priest, a holy nation, God's very own possession. As a result, you can show others the goodness of God, for he called you out of the darkness into his wonderful light. Once you had no identity as a people, now you are God's people. Once you received no mercy, and now you have received God's mercy. Dear friends, I warn you as temporary residents and foreigners to keep away from the worldly desires that wage war against your very souls. Be careful to live properly among, live properly among your unbelieving neighbors. Then, even if they accuse you of doing wrong, they will see your honorable behavior and they will give honor to God when he comes and judges the world. What? I want to say that again. Stay away from stuff that draws you in and wages war against your soul. Stay away from that stuff. And then... Live properly among your unbelieving neighbors. Live among them. Don't, this isn't a holy huddle here. Like, we've come to live in the world where, where we're temporary residents of, okay? And so we live in, in occupied and operate in occupied territory, and we get to do the work of God, right? Because, because we're a royal priest, a holy nation, and God has given us identity. He's extended his mercy to us. So we're not better than anybody there's mercy and there's grace. And so it says this, even if they accuse you of doing wrong, they will see your honorable behavior and they will honor God when he judges the world. Dude, let me tell you something. What you do now makes a difference in the lives of people that are around you. All right, in, in Romans 6, 17 and 18, it says this, thank God 
Once you were slaves to sin, but now you wholeheartedly obey this teaching we have given you. That teaching was the teaching about Jesus Christ. And, and it goes on and it says, now you are free from your slavery to sin and you have become slaves to righteous living. Paul continues in chapter uh, 8, verses 15, and he says, so you have not received a spirit that makes you fearful slaves. Instead, you receive God's spirit when he adopted you as his own children, and now you can call him dad. And I don't know your experience, each of your experience with your own father on earth, but maybe some of it has been really good, and maybe some of you have a really tainted image of what a dad is supposed to be. And let me just tell you something. God is a good father. He will never let you down. He, you are his child. You are the apple of his eye. You are made in his image, and he loves you. And beyond that, he loves the neighbor. He loves the annoying person that gets under your skin. And here's what, it, here's what I want to say. When does that take place, though, right? Like, so we're no longer slaves to sin, um, uh, we've received not this spirit of fear, uh, but, uh, but we, we can go after it because of what the Holy Spirit is doing in us, right? When does that ministry of the Holy Spirit take place? On Sunday mornings, right? That's it. And if you're not here on Sunday morning, you are in trouble, okay? Uh, if you believe that, you're wrong. Now, do I believe that people should be healed physically, healed emotionally, um, that they should be set free, um, that, that they should interact with the Holy Spirit here, that they should come into a relationship with Jesus here? Yes, 100%. But here's what I'm going to tell you. I believe that it happens 99% of the time in the mundane of life, Okay? So out where we are. So I'm going to give you two examples of, of out where we were. So Scott and I were out, and we were having some local fare at an establishment that serves wheat and barley and hops. And so, and so good. And so we were there at a bar, and if you guys didn't get that, you're like, hold on, I don't know, what bread? Okay, no, so we were at this place, and, um, and, I, and I go up, and I'm paying for all these beers that Scott had. No, I'm just joking. We, we were just having, like, one drink, chill. Okay, so I go to pay the tab, though, and which, by the why did you owe me money? Um, so, so anyways, I go to pay the tab, and right beside me is one of my former students from, like, way back in the day. And I'm like, what's up, Bob? Totally not his name. Um, I'm like, dude, what's going on, man? He's like, what? He's like, you drink? And I'm like, yeah, but probably not like you're drinking, but sure, okay? And so we, we talk. 
And I'm like, dude, what's going on, man? He's telling me about his life and his wife and this business he started that's going super well. And, and I'm just, I'm excited for him, right? I mean, you'd love, if you, if you are ever a teacher or a mentor or anything like that, you love seeing like your kids like doing good, right? And so I'm just like, awesome. Well, in this split moment, like, and the way they put it at the conference, which I just love it, it's like this. Like, if you're thinking like this, and something comes across like this, grab it, okay? And just like maybe say to the person like, hey, do, can I pray for you? So I did, like we're down and I love where we were. I didn't even put that together until this morning. Like we were in a bar called Revival. I'm like, perfect, all right? And so we're there, we're at the bar, literally at the bar. And I'm like, bro, can I pray for you? There's like 50, 70 people around. I don't know. I didn't care. I'm just getting to the point. I'm like 40 with no hair and six kids and a beautiful wife. What the heck do I have to lose at this point? You know what I'm saying? Like, honestly. And like for all of you, if you think, well, I'm in my prime right now, you're, please, okay? All right. God will use you. It doesn't matter. Like, just stop being cocky about it. Like, (laughs) you're not cool, okay? Like, you think you are. You're not. I always thought I was cool. I'm not. I realize like more and more, I'm just a big dork. So, um, and you are too. And so, but God wants to use you and he wants to use me. And, and so we do this and we pray for him. And I'm like, hey, I just, you know, I just want to bless your business and what's going on in your life. And I pray that God would just do everything that he wants to in your life. And, and I just, just, just do it, God, you know? And, um, and all of a sudden, uh, three angels appear and he's lifted up and he's like, no, nothing happened like that, Okay. But I felt like God was saying, pray for this guy. And so I had an opportunity to say no. I had an opportunity to say, no, I'm not going to do that. Well, Scott and I are talking. And now you've got to picture this. Scott and I are out on Friday night at the chop shop having a burger. This is, we, guys, we were like Christian bar hopping. But like, it was cool. Okay, so, um, so we started at chop shop. And um, we were having a burger. And Scott and I are sitting out there talking about, like, what God's doing, and we're crying. Like, what are, we're on the patio. We're having a moment. Like, we're crying out on the patio together, and neither of our wives are home. Like, I'm like, what are we doing? What's going on, bro? So Scott's going to come up and tell us about another, um, something that happened to him this week. So, okay. In this story, Andy's the wonderful spiritual pastor, and I'm the jerk. <laughs> So, uh, yeah, I went on vacation. This thing's really loud. I went on vacation the first week of January. Went camping in the hottest part of the year. I don't know why. (laughs) We had an RV to sleep in, but it didn't help. Anyway, had a really good vacation. Um, Got to relax, connect with God a little bit. Went back to work on Monday and had the most horrible day I've ever had. You know, when other people manage your, your work, they don't do as good a job as you do. And I knew when I went in... It was going to be bad, but it was really horrible <laughs> and kind of pushed me over the edge. I was super agitated at everything, you know, that, that the other person that was covering for me had let go. I was just in a really, really bad state of mind. Um, so I'm trying to do the best I can with the situation and not yell at people or scream at people for not doing what they were supposed to do while I was gone. So I have a walk with a buyer um, at 12 o'clock, and the painter didn't get to all the things that she was supposed to do. 
So I called her up, and I was just nice to her. I, said, I was like, could you come over and take care of some of this stuff before I walk this house with the buyer? Because after all, they're paying for a 200 and some thousand dollar house. If the garbage disposal doesn't work, they're going to be upset about it. So you got to make sure all these little loose ends are tightened up. So she came over, um, and I showed her what I needed. And she just began to share with me about a situation in her life that she was going through. She has a friend that has really let her down. She was really close to this person, and she helped this other person with money and stuff. And come to find out, this person was just using her and lying to her. And she was really hurt about it, and she's sharing this. And, you know, and, and I'm off the chain at this point trying to get my job done. I don't know how to counsel her, so I just tried to be as real as I could and said, you know, if this person's bad for you, you, you should just let them go and get them out of your life and forgive them, you know, which is the right thing to do. And then after we were done with the conversation, she asked me to pray for her, um, you know, in my day. When I thought about her, I would pray for her. Well, you know how that is. We just forget about that, and we go on about our business, and we never really pray for people. So I said, why don't we just pray right now? Um, and so we just stopped, took a minute, and I prayed for her, and it released some of her tension and anxiety and kind of helped her, and I felt good about it. Um, the rest of the day wasn't so good, and I didn't act so good. That's why I'm the jerk in the story. But it, it was just a realization that God was still there and using me, even though I wasn't in the right state of mind. So. Right. So thank you. Thank you. Thanks for, like, sharing that, being real. So the deal is this, like, here's Scott, and the whole reason I brought him up was so that you guys could see how much of a jerk he is and, like, and judge him. Like, I just feel like there's some healthy judgment that needs to take place uh, in his life. No, uh, the reason I, I ask, because we're talking about this, and this is what, I mean, literally, this is what we're crying about when we're out on Friday. We're not throwing axes. We were crying at Chop Shop. And so um, that's what we do, all right? I'm wearing a pink flamingo shirt. Okay, so um, the deal is this, though. Like, in the midst of being a jerk, and what he described to me when we were out was, bro, I was an atheist on Monday. <laughs> so I was like, I'm like, okay, like, I get that, you know, like, I mean, it's not like he, like, forsake God or anything, but you know what he's saying, though, you just felt like you're in this mood where it's like, you know, if I could, like, be the Kool-Aid guy and just run through a wall, you know, like, I would totally do it, and so just like a bull in a china shop is what he felt like, and he felt like a jerk, and then God says, now, here's the question that I have. Because afterwards, he kept acting like a jerk. Like, do you think God really used him, even though he, st he was still acting like a jerk afterwards, right? Yeah, I do. I just believe, guys, I believe this, that God's mercy and grace is so much more than we can ever comprehend. It's crazy, right? Like, everything that we do has boundaries on it. Like everything. Like when we think of forever, we stop at some point. We can't think infinitely. Now I want you to think of infinite mercy and infinite grace. As much as you've extended it in your own life to people, how much more is God extending it to them? And here's what I don't want you to forget either. He's extending it to you. Right? 
and to me. Now, it says something about, well, should I just go on sinning because I know that grace abounds? No. But, dude, if you're a jerk, just stop being a jerk for a moment. And then try a little bit longer. And then a little bit longer. But if you, here's what I think we do. We beat ourselves up so much to the point where we can't be used. In Ephesians 5, it says this. Imitate God, therefore, in everything you do because you are his dear children. Live a life with love following the example of Christ. He loved us and offered himself as a sacrifice for us, a pleasing aroma to God. That's what we're going after. We just want to live like Jesus lived. And guess what? We're not going to get it all. We're not going to get it every time, right? And guess what? Every time that you ask somebody, um, can I pray for you? They're not always going to say yes. And maybe sometimes you say, hey, I just feel like, um, you know, I, had, I, I text a good friend of mine that goes to this church. Yesterday, I was finishing up my sermon, and I text this, I pray, I just, he, you know, I'm having this, and then, boom, he flies across my brain. I'm like, okay, I'm going to pray for him. God, what do you, just, you know, be with him and, and do it. So I send him a little text, you know. Hey, I just wanted to say, um, just, uh, just let God do it. That's what I feel like God's saying. And he sends me back this text, and it says, I don't know what that means, but I love you, bro. And I'm like, you're rude. Like, it meant something. No, I'm just joking. So, but like, we expect, like, again, like nothing happened, right? And it might not mean anything right now. And like, but we might say something to somebody. Listen, no, no one, I loved it. Mike uh, uh, Pilavachi says, no one's going to die. So if you go to Walmart and we're in the marketplace, and you say, hey, you know, I just, can I just pray with you? Like, what, can, what, would, what would you want God to do right now? I just want to pray with you. And if it doesn't happen, we're okay, right? But be led by the Spirit. Take some risk, right? I mean, that's what it's about. I mean, is God alive and well or not? Philippians 4.4 4 says this, always be full of joy in the Lord. I say it again, rejoice. We have a lot to be thankful for like this, like we're, if you're a Christ follower, you're in a life-changing relationship, a transforming relationship with Jesus Christ. And it's not just for you, it's for the people that are around you. Because how selfish would it be for us to hold this to ourselves, right? Hey, I have something that has absolutely turned my life upside down and it is awesome and amazing, but it's mine and you can't have it. That's a horrible attitude. That is selfishness. And so what we want to do is we want to say, no, we, we want to see God transform the people's lives around us. So as we express thanksgiving, as we come to the tables, there's, we have open communion. If you follow Christ and, and you believe that Christ like, uh, died for you and, and rose again, you take communion. And, and so they're in the four corners. But what I want to say is this. Let's come this morning with a postured heart that says thank you. And here's what I'm going to challenge you with. The posture of your heart, you can change the posture of your heart. As easily as you can change the posture of your body, you can change the posture of your heart. Because you can go, yes, God, I don't understand all of what's going on, but I know that you're bigger than the situation. Or you can say, no, you just forgot about me and you don't love me anymore, God. And that's a posturing of the heart. But what I would challenge you with is that over and over again, it says in, the, in his word that you are children of God. And that a matter of fact, he does love you. 
and he loves you unconditionally.